0: This morning, as God has completely changed everything, what he wants uh, that's on his heart for us is to experience the contentment that is ours in Christ. That's what he wants us to experience. Now, a person especially an unsaved person, can never experience contentment until they receive Christ as their Savior. And that's very, very simple. You just simply believe when, if you haven't received Christ and you're unsure that you would be going to heaven, then it's a simple prayer, but it's believing that Christ is who he said he is. He's the Son of God given by the Father to believers, for their salvation and for the fact of paying for all of their sins. And that is a phenomenal thing to begin to to understand uh, through the Word of God. So, again, very important uh, first to receive Christ as our Savior. And you just simply do that with a heartfelt uh, will given over and acceptance to the fact that You would know that you're a sinner, that you can't bridge the gap between God and yourself. And so in that way, you would have to have a substitute like we all did when we received Christ as our Savior. That's first and foremost. So once we have received Christ as our Savior, that is the place of our contentment. Now, it says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, it says godliness... With contentment is great gain. Have we, have we great gain in Christ? Do we have great gain in Christ, all of us? Do we have that? We have that. What makes the gain that we have in Christ so great is that he's removed all distance between God the Father and us. That's right. He's removed all distance. There is no distance between, in, in terms of our position in Christ, between God and us. But as a Christian, as, as one who is in Christ, and when we say in Christ, when we talk about in, being in Christ, that's our position. The moment that we receive Christ, we were positioned in him. And he is seated by the right hand of the Father in heaven right now, in Revelations 1.20, and in Ephesians 2, 6, were seated in him. So, as far as God's concerned, has he removed all distance between us, between himself and those that have received Christ as their Savior. He's removed all distance. Because his son dealt with everything. Did you know that for the believer, for the Christian, he's dealt with every single form of discontentment? And that to live in discontentment, It's to live outside of who Christ is, and when you do that, what is your experience? Discontentment. That's why we, we teach, and by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, obviously, it can only be God who takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us. That where we are right now, and where we are even physically right now, is no accident. It is God placing us there. That's the place where he's working in contentment in us, presently. We talked about that. We had a a great time, Edwin and I, with with the word um, yesterday. And we talked about the fact that we're in this present place. Now, in Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, In your presence is what? The fullness of what? Joy, and at your right hand there are what? Pleasures forevermore. Pleasures. What, should the, what are those pleasures a result of? It's Christ who always did, in John 8, verse 29, those things that pleased him. And because of that God's pleasure, there's where our contentment is. And in the particular place where I am, there is, that's the presence of God. It's not looking back and feeling like you're missing something. And we talked about that again. We, you may uh, miss, in terms of fellowship, but even us here, I mean, with the technology we have, even with those like, uh, that are in Texas, and I'm speaking very personally because we have been associated, I have personally, over 12 years, of going back and forth to Texas from Florida and Massachusetts while I was pastoring uh, those different local assemblies. And what we see is, if I I look back and I turn away from him and I get even distracted by those that I love, what am I missing? Present contentment. I feel like I've got to be back to have contentment now two things that we always do. I know one thing that I do in my lesson, and my lesson is this, and it's crystal clear in the scriptures, very clear, is either I lag way behind God, (laughs) and I'm talking even experientially too, and that can enter into the proper direction of positional truth, right? But I I either lag way behind or I run way ahead, okay? But where is God? Listen, right now, this morning, where is he? Is he present? I don't know. Is he in each, each of us? So do each of us, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, do we have the treasure that Christ is right now in our vessel? So where else should I look for contentment? Where would that come from? Listen, honestly, there's nothing wrong with missing people and I don't even know what that word means to be honest with you. I can't it doesn't even make any any kind of sense to me to be quite honest with you, scripturally. I mean, you desire, maybe you have a desire and you love them, but to miss them almost means like you're falling short of your present experience of Christ the treasure in you. So can you experience his present presence right now? <laughs> Right? Is God residing in your yesterday? Is he? No. Nope. Now, he's taking care of the future, but, uh, but uh, is he in the future with you right now? Or is he present? present. He's present with us. Listen. And so, even missing someone, and, if I, <laughs> and missing, if, if, if someone, even that I love, and it's not there, If I'm missing them, it's because Christ at that moment is not my contentment and my full provision. Is he not? Did he leave anything undone about us? Never. He didn't leave a single thing undone about us. So, if I look back then what am I looking? If Christ isn't my contentment, I'm looking back and I want others to be the source of that contentment that I'm missing presently. Or if I don't have present peace and joy that comes from his presence, because in Psalm 16, and verse 8, I set the Lord before my face. Does anyone else replace him? Because if he, if they do, they replace your contentment. That's right. We can be, when we're functioning in contentment in Christ experientially, be, have an exchange of the Christ life and fellowship with each other. But no one can make you content. They already have it in Christ. We're already content in him. Now then, if I don't like my present circumstances, and by the way, God uses present circumstances to keep us dependent. We want certain things to change. Because somehow, if thinking outside of him, we think that we become the master and controller of our circumstances and situations. And usually that's a result of not Christ in the midst of my circumstances and situations guiding me, but the circumstances and the situations guide me. Now I want change. So then what? If I'm not, if I'm not looking back and, I, and I, I don't have present peace, what do I do? I look forward, I gotta change my place i got to somehow change my place because after all, I'm not content. What? Now. I don't know. Is God the God of right now? I don't know. Am I going to go back and get my yesterday? Is there any going back to get my yesterday? Should I run ahead of God and think I can do something without him in my future? Is he there or is he present with me right now? He promised in Joshua 1 verse 5, he said, I will not fail you nor forsake you. That doesn't mean, if you look at the types in the Bible, remember Elijah? You see how his supplies dried up? Listen, did his supplies dry up? You'll see it. You'll see it in the Bible. Look up, Elijah, and you have to go to the kings, 1 Kings. See? That could tell you where, but Look it up. You'll have a you'll have an awesome time doing it. But God called him to do something. And that call was to what? He was present with him to cause him to go forward. Another thing we talked about yesterday is I can't do anything in my yesterday. God's doing things things presently right now. And to think that I can go ahead in the future without being prepared presently can I even go forward in God's plan in the future? No, because he's the God that's present right now. And he said it in Hebrews thirteen five. I will never, triple salutation by the way, I will never, no, never, no, in any way ever leave you nor forsake you. Elijah had the great call. What was that great call preparing him for? A much, much, a great and huge work, listen to this, that would not only be required in his life to have the grace of God, because for God to do anything in us, it's pure grace. We don't deserve anything. He freely gives it to us based upon his own nature, character, and essence. That's why it doesn't fail. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, God, who is love, never fails. Never. It doesn't. So in the preparation for where he was and going forward, what happened? I mean, God wouldn't call a prophet Elijah. He he wouldn't call him. He he wouldn't call him, would he? Would he call him? And then let let an unclean bird, ravens, feed him. Was that below who he thought he should be? And then he was by a stream, and the water dried up. What should he do? Stop going forward, or should he go back where God wasn't? Because God was present, leading him forward. And what was he leading him forward to? You look at what God used that that man for. As he trusted God, like we do, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith. We walk by faith, which is absolute dependence upon him. Not my present circumstances, not my situations, not where I live, not how much I have in the bank account, not my job. It doesn't say that at all. It says we walk by faith dependence in him, not by sight, by our feelings, by our own interpretation, privately. And that's what we become when Christ, we're not present with him, and he's not our all in Colossians 3.11. He is all. And when that happens, I become my own private interpreter and scholar of the Scriptures. Last time I checked, in 2 Peter 1.20, it's not given to any of us to be a private interpreter of the Scriptures. What was he preparing him for? What was he preparing him for? Elijah, what's he preparing you folks for? What is he preparing you for? God does things to no purpose? Well, why do all things work together for the good to them that love God? Now, you know what comes out of love, right? Joy and peace and and unbelievable contentment. When I'm occupied with him and him only, I'm content. That's right. I don't need anything else to replace him or to add to him, because you can't add to him, can you? Who is everything and who is all, right? So what does he do? He called him to go forward. He doesn't have any food, he doesn't have any water. He runs into a widow woman with a child. Look at what happened. Watch what happened to him as he did that. He walked up to the woman. And said, I've been on a journey, basically. Um, could you fix me some of those meal, those, those portions that you're preparing? And she said to him, she said to him, again, that uh, you can, you can uh, uh, I only have enough of my son and I that's left. That's it. There's just enough oil, just enough meal to make our last meal and then we're going to die. What does that look like by sight? Tell me what that looks like by sight. Yet did God lead him there? I don't know. Did God stop lead, leading him? Will our circumstances and situations change? Yeah, you know what they do? They will reveal, they will reveal where my treasure is. Is it Christ? Is he my all? And he'll put us to the test, loving test, never a temptation. In James 1:13, God can't be tempted with evil, neither he tempts any man. But he will try our dependence, our faith on him in 1 Peter 1:7. But if my heart is fixed, and, and material things become the thing that causes me to be content, when they're gone, do I have contentment? Read Matthew the sixth chapter. 34 verses there. But just look how it flows. It flows from prayer. Get in his presence. And then it talks about what the treasure is. And then all the details of life. But geez, by the time you get to verse 33 of Matthew 6, seek you first, what? First, the kingdom of God. And for us, we have Christ in us, don't we? Something, a position that's exalted and very, very high. And we want to get into that, in which I am tomorrow morning. We're going to continue this grace and glory theme. That is so incredible. Listen, our lives are far more than about ourselves. And when you're out of his presence, everything becomes about you. And then your circumstances and your situations, they have to be what you think they are. And if they're not, you're not content. (laughs) I don't know. Where, Where was Job's contentment? Where was Job's contentment? I'm going to tell you where his contentment was. He had every possession. He had every single material, physical thing that you could want. Solomon did too. How many trillions was it again? What is it again? He had 1.9 trillion, Solomon. And you know what he called that in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 2? Vanity. You know why it's vanity? Because you can have money. It's like hair. Some of us have hair. Today, gone tomorrow. (laughs) You can have money today and gone tomorrow. If that's where your contentment is, you tell me where it is. I don't know. Did God win us by money? Or by his son, the cost of his son. The greatest thing that God has ever done, ever, is given his only son. Nothing greater. Not a single thing greater than that. Not one single thing. That could ever be greater than that. So we see, then he leads him to this widow woman. And we see that very clearly in the scriptures. And again, she's ready. She is ready to pass away. She's going to eat the last meal because she thinks that's it. God sends the prophet. Oh my, a prophet? You mean just the two people? Would Would that be God's plan? I don't know, would that be God's plan for your life? You're content, but he's going to send you just to maybe one or two people. You know what success is? It is the accomplishment of the will of God in a believer with his will submitted. That's success. Because none of us are taking a penny with us. The only thing we take off this earth is what Christ has done in and through us and with us. That's it. That's it. If you want to know what money can do, apart from Christ, you'll see that in Matthew 6, verse 24. You can't serve God and money, mammon. My mind can't be occupied with finances and jobs and money and all these other things and have contentment in Christ. Just won't have it. Not going to be there. We see it again in 1 Kings 17, and I want to read this to you just so you and I can see it. And some of us that seem to make our circumstances and situations and our bank account and our finances greater than God. <laughs> Let's look at Elijah's case. In First Kings 17, verse 1, it says, Elijah the Tishbite was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto, unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, and does he? Before whom I stand, there will not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get you hence. Did he leave until God told him to? Get you hence and turn you eastward. Now, there's many types. In the Bible, east, where it talks about east, it's always speaking of resurrection life. Because where does the sun rise? From the east. And Jesus, our son, He rose, and it always speaks of resurrection life. So God is constantly leading us presently to go forward with what? Resurrection life. And in that is their contentment. Eastward, and then what does it say? Hide yourself by the the brook Kareth, that is before Jordan. And it will be that you will drink of the brook. He's got no water, got no food. And God tells him, okay, get up and go. Jeez. (laughs) Well, don't I want to see the provision first, God? Well, yeah, but that would be you tempting and me tempting God by sight. First you have to show me what you have, then I'll trust you. Is that faith? Is that absolute dependence? Here. You'll drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Oh God, you mean God? You mean this this little job? You mean mean this job? Ah. Yeah, because what is that? what, What possibly could that job be doing, bringing out of you areas that God wants to deal with? Could be. Could be that. Are you content there? Or is your contentment how someone would treat you? Do you have contentment? I don't know. Is God present with us wherever we are? Is he? That's not to say he doesn't lead us. But I tell you one thing. He will give us perfect peace where we are before he causes us to go forward and leave. That's a promise. (laughs) Because we have peace. In Ephesians 2.14, Christ is our peace. And he's the treasure within us. I'll, I'll, I'll have the ravens to feed you. Gosh, this isn't the type of work I wanted. Yeah, I know, maybe he's preparing you for something better. But maybe he knows what you need in preparation for him to even be able to bless you in the future. And bless me and all of us in the future. A raven, my God, I thought that was an unclean bird. By the law, I know, but who is above the law? A raven? You know what a raven is? It is the most selfish bird that there is. Did you know that? You can look it up. They'll feed themselves first to the fullest, even be- before they'll feed their young. And yet God has them <laughs> taking food, getting food and bringing it to Elijah. It's very interesting. Boy, when you obey God, the things that he can do, Nothing replaces simple obedience and there's no obedience to the flesh walking by sight. I got to change my circumstance so I can be content. And God says, no, you're in that adverse, nasty situation and circumstance so I can work in contentment in you because you never would even go forward without it. You would make yourself be the issue and not his son, his treasure within us. And so the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning. That makes me think of Proverbs 8, verse 17. It says, I love them that love me. This is God. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early will find me. Why do we wait? Don't wait. He's your all. He's my all. Don't let doubt, worry, worry, all these things creep in and steal the contentment that Christ is in you. And remember, we've said before, and God has to teach us constantly, and I thank God for it. We don't give God first place. Did you ever hear that? He wants first place in your life. Well, and we say it like this. Well, thank you very much for giving him first place, something he had before you were even born or created. <laughs> he wants Every place. And every place that he occupies experientially will be the place that I have joy and peace and contentment. Even in the midst of sorrow can I have joy. Absolute mundo. I don't know if that's a proper interpretation. But anyways, listen. It will be that you will drink of the brook And I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according, listen to what it said, according to what? The word of the Lord. Oh, I mean, that word Lord, what does that mean? He's master. Is he mastering me? Is he in control? No matter what happens on this earth, is God in control? Oh, he's in control, all right. Because if he wasn't, he couldn't be God, would he? And he is. Is he in control of everything? Are your circumstances and my circumstances, your situations and my situations in control of us? Or is God in control of us? Is he teaching us dependence? Did God take away from Job? But when he finally saw him in the 42nd chapter, when he finally saw him and he became his all, I don't know, did he give him double back? Listen, you know, it's one thing to get things from God, and that's great, but we can outdo who he is in giving himself to us? My God. So the ravens, all right, so he did, he went as uh, he did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Kerith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him Bread and flesh, meat in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. you ah, He's in a desert. You ever been in a desert place and you don't have anything all of a sudden, wow, that thing like it just dropped out of the sky. <laughs> Unexpected blessing, my God. And hopefully weren't we weren't murmuring at the time when the when the blessing dropped in. And we weren't trying to make someone else be the provision that only he can be. And I wasn't looking back, because that's a distraction by the way. In Hebrews 12, 2, looking away from all that would distract. Unto who? Unto Jesus. He's training us for Christ to reign over us. That's right. And that's where I become an effective joint that supplies. I won't be otherwise. It has to start inwardly with all of us, right? And it came to pass, verse 7, here we go, right? The excitement of coming and then God coming through and giving us the job. And all of a sudden, look what happened. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. Now what? Oh, the brook dried up. And because there had been no rain in the land, you know, <laughs> rain, no rain, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise. No. No. The ravens aren't feeding me anymore. The brook's dried up. You're telling me you want me to go forward? Yeah, I want you to trust me by faith. Right? I want you to trust me. By faith, what does that mean for us today, as those that are in Christ? I'll read this in Second Corinthians chapter four. Here's Second Corinthians four. And this is what he in type what we're learning from the life of Elijah as a, as a type. Here's Second Corinthians chapter four, verse fifteen. For all things are for your sakes. How many? Should I rationalize that? Should I determine what's what's good for me and what's not? Can I determine what is good and evil? For all things are for your sakes. Why? Because it has to do with the abundant grace that comes from Christ through by God the Father through the Holy Spirit through thanksgiving of many through the thanksgiving of many, redounds, goes right back to, look what it says, the glory of God. What makes us think our life is just about us? What makes us think that everything about him, yes, it is grace, but that's all, just keep giving me grace. It has nothing to do with his glory. It has everything to do with it. And when God gives me grace, it's because he's glorifying himself. And when I experience the reality of that in the contentment that Christ is in me, I'm blessed. I don't need anything added into me. I don't have to run to someone else for support. I can run in fellowship. Yes, that's the only time we should, by the way. It's truthful. Not that we don't help each other. But that still takes two. One available and one who has it. It still takes two for that to be experienced. For all things are for your sake. Let's rationalize that one. Elijah, book right up. Ravens aren't feeding you. Arise. Arise. That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound, go right back, circle right back to the glory of God. Let's redound, go right back to his glory. You mean to tell me God just gives me grace just to give me grace had nothing to do with himself? Of course it does. It has everything to do with his glory that's why we don't separate his grace from his glory because that's what truth always reveals and that's why Christ in John 1.14 they beheld his glory the glory is of an only begotten uniquely begotten son he was filled up of all that grace and truth is they beheld his glory see now I'm going to read it and then we'll close. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause? What cause? You mean just our cause? Just God giving me things and making me feel better? Or does it have to do with his glory? <laughs> Jesus. By the way, we're going to see this too. We're going to see this starting tomorrow morning and through the week. How everything about our life is, is, has to do with Christ's glory. Does to the glory of God the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see that. And you're going to see it even angels. How they beheld his glory, but can't touch the way that you and I do. They have to learn through us. Did you know that? Did you know that in your present circumstances and situations, as a vessel that Christ inhabits? That the angels are looking in and learning things about their creator through your life? What do they see? Discontentment? What does God see? Murmuring? Fear? Worry? (laughs) All things are for your sake. All of them. Because they have to do with the abundant grace that goes right back to the glory of God. Verse 16. For which cause? Whose cause? So God's going to fail himself? Did you know for him to fail us, he'd have to fail himself? Because his son is in us. And in John 10 30, I and the Father are one. <laughs> we fail ourselves, and I'll tell you where we do in the flesh, but we can't fail God because everything about us has to do with the victory and the conquering power that Christ is in Romans 8:37 and in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. He always causes us to triumph. Does that have to do with his grace and glory? And is that truth? Watch. We're going to wrap it up. For which cause we what? Faint not. What's that mean? I turn coward. I lose my grip on him. Thank God he doesn't with us. (laughs) I turn coward. Fear comes in. I begin to doubt. I begin to worry. And worry betrays trust, complete implicit trust in Christ. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. There's people here right now in certain circumstances in measures, some more than others, their outward man's perishing. Let me do it a little bit, get a little bit better. It's perishing. But, but what? But though our outward man perish, yet the inward is being renewed. What? Day by day. Refreshed, renewed constantly. Do we need constant renewal? Constant refocusing? Yep. And that's why by the grace of God, that God gives us so abundantly and so graciously His Word, seven days a week, and does it on podcasts, and it's all His Word. It's not the word of Ed, by the way. It's the word of God. Okay, it truly is. On the in the on the website, the these things that we still have. Why well, we still have them? For our light affliction. I don't know, do you still have a place to live? Still got a roof over your head? Still got food on your table? How's Elijah doing? Huh. Really? Moses, let me ask you a question. Yes. What about you? What's your testimony? Let's go to the, what is called the heroes' Hall of Fame in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. The hero, one and only, is Christ, by the way, who functioned in and through a multitude of people, and he never left them, ever in their circumstances and situations. By faith, in Hebrews eleven twenty four. 24, by what? By sight? By looking at things and determining what would happen and where my contentment would come from? By faith, Moses, when he came to years, when he's an adult, we all adults here? When he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter because it was of the world system. In other words, his contentment and his treasure wasn't in the world system. And believe me, if ours is experientially, we'll be discontented. Choosing rather to suffer affliction righteously, though. Are you at a job? Are you suffering righteous affliction? Good, because God's working in contentment. He is. And maybe you just might be the only light that that person of those people, ever see. You and I have no idea what God is doing. Seriously. Someone could be looking at you with the meanest thing and still God working on the inside. You don't know. Very, very needed to be, we need to be led by God specifically. He's not the God of generalities. He's the God of, listen, I think there's 35 There's 35,000 different varieties of, what's the flower that I'm thinking of? Orchids. Did you know that? 35,000 orchids. That's right. 35,000. He's pretty specific, by the way. And each one in its own design and makeup and revealing a beauty that only that particular one could. That's every one of us in Christ, by the way. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproaches of, of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Why? For he had recompense unto what? The reward. What's the reward? His presence. You know, he can give us things, but, but his presence, the God of eternity, through His Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, being present with us? Will I have a need, then, at that particular time? Will He not meet all my need, has He not, in Philippians 4.19? That speaks of the material things, too. How about being content with such things as you have? In Hebrews 13, verse 5, be content with such things as you have. No, I want more. No, I want a change. No, I I want to have proof that you're going to be taking care of me. No, be content with such things as you have, Hebrews 13, 5, because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Oh. How does the world live? Where does their contentment come from? Ask the people in 1929 where money and stocks, were where they got their contentment and they didn't have it. They thought it was what? Over. It was only their beginning if they had, of a, a beginning of a Christless eternity if they hadn't received Christ. And we do have him, by the way. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Why? For he endured. You know what endure? That means you're putting up with all kinds of things. Endured. Endured goes into two Greek words that, that uh, talk about patience. One is macrothumia. The other is hupomone. Hupomone means that I'm still content and no matter what my circumstances and situations are. That's hupomone. My circumstances and situations aren't the means of my endurance. It's Christ in them. They don't control me. Macrothumia means you put up with evil people. You bear with them and reveal such an immovable contentment with Christ in your vessel. That speaks volumes to people. Did you know when the three Hebrew boys were put in a fiery furnace? Maybe you think your job's a fiery furnace. Maybe you think so. But just maybe, just maybe you went in there and there were certain things that were bound up in you. You might not have even been aware of them. But you were bound like those three Hebrew boys were. They were thrown into the midst of the fire. This is Daniel, the third chapter, verses 17 to 25. They were bound and they were put into the fire. And it was raised up seven times. Maybe the particular place where you are now seems seven times hotter than the one that you left. Did God forsake you? Those that were on the outside with seven times hot were looking in and they didn't see the flame on them. You know what else? It never says that those three Hebrew boys that were inside that fiery furnace ever saw the, the fourth man. It says those that walked by sight, those that didn't know him, they were on the outside, they looked in and saw the fourth man. Hopefully, wherever we are, that's what those see in us. The fourth man. And by the way, when they came out, the smell of the smoke wasn't even on their clothes. And they came out, they went in bound, they came out. The only thing that that fire ever took away was what was binding them up in their own personal life in that particular situation there. He endured, Moses, by faith he forsook Egypt, the whole world system, he forsook it. Do you see, and finally as we close, did you see what, what, what God did with Elijah? through a result of his simple obedience. And listen, obedience has to do with absolute faith dependence. It's not, God, you come through for me, then I'll obey. That's disobedience. (laughs) If, If obedience is delayed, what do we call that? That's disobedience. Okay, is worry sin? Is a lack of trusting him sin? Why? Because in Romans 14, 23, he that doubts is damned if he eat. Because he eats not of what faith, absolute dependence upon Christ. Whatsoever is not of faith is what—it's sin. Something about me that I put ahead of Christ. Be careful! Be careful about looking back, seriously, or, or running ahead. There was a lot of talk, even in our little local assemblies, about those things. Are we going back? Are we going to stay? Or are we going to go forward to another place? where it's warm and sunny. How about we just reside right here and trust God, rest in Him, because He's doing great things. And I'm going to tell you, He's doing them right here. That's why He brought us here. So we're going to wrap this up with this last, again, this example. So it came to pass after a while, that the brook dried up in 1 Kings 17, 7, because there had been no rain in the land. Was that, was, was that God telling Elijah that he forsook him? That he wasn't going to come through? You mean that he led him this far and then he's not going to supply? Or he's not going to supply in the way that God determined? So God would be, so God would be left up to what he would desire? <laughs> What he would determine he needed. You know, God determined everything we needed and he fulfilled it in Christ. That, again, is Philippians 4, verse 19. That's why in Philippians 4, 13, we can do all things through Christ who makes me mighty right where I am. Right where I am. Well, Verse eight, and the word of the Lord came to him, saying, "Arise, get you to Seraphith, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there." You mean to dwell there? I don't know. Are there provisions there? I mean, I don't see them. Yeah, I know. You can trust me, though. And oh, by the way, yes, Elijah. Oh, by the way, yes, believer. Your life's not just about yourself. It's not. We're gonna find out who it's just who it's about too. And how he met the need of both. Because both were in their proper place. And dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. Oh my God. You want to talk about the humility? God humbling our pride. I am a prophet. <laughs> and first, it's not enough to have a dirty burnt raven's feeding me. And a little brook drying up. And you're telling me to go forward, and now you're telling me that a widow woman's going to f- sustain me, feed me, take care of me. <laughs> what would that dictate to sight? Oh, well, that can't be you, God. <laughs> and well, there, behold, I commanded a widow woman to sustain you. So he he arose, and he went to Zarephath. You know, he didn't he didn't go anywhere till the word told him, right? And when he came to the gate of the city, and by the way, God will never lead us outside of peace, by the way. And he'll never lead us on our own too, by the way. And when, when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering of sticks. He called her and said, fetch me, I, I'm asking you, I beseech you a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, boy, you want to talk about the gall and this guy <laughs> but it was written that he was doing what God told him to do. He, he called her and said, as she was going uh, to get the water for him, he called her and said, oh, and bring me, I, I, I beseech you, a morsel of bread in your hand. <laughs> and she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two six that I may go in and dress it, prepare it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Because that is just enough for the two of us. We're going to eat it and we're going to die. That was what natural sight was teaching her. And God sent the prophet teaching him. <laughs> kind of put them together, you know. No one was above anyone. They just happened to occupy a proper place, right? And Elijah said unto her, what? What is God saying to us? When the ravens stop feeding us, when the when the, when the uh, the brook dries up, what does he tell us? What's the word of God tell us? Fear not. That's First Kings seventeen thirteen. Fear not. Look what it says. Go. What's that speak up? Go forward. Obey me presently, to go forward. In your next circumstances and situations, in the place where you are occupying at this present moment. <laughs> Fear not and go and do as you have said, but make me thereof a little cake. What? First. What is he telling her? Put me before you? No. Obey the word of God. First, obey the word of God. First. Depend upon it. And, and, And then bring it unto me, and after, make for you and for your son. Well, she only thought there was enough for two. Obey the word. Because there'll be enough. And look what it says. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal will not waste. Yeah, but are you content with just that? <laughs> Neither will the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She went and did, according to the saying of Elijah, who was speaking the word in obedience, and she and, her, and, and, she and he and her son did eat many days. and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. You can read more, too, what he did for her son. One little boy that fell and hit his head and was near to death, and how he laid on him intimate contact and breathed life into him through the word. You know, God, listen, our our life is far more, when we make our little life just about us, and then we want to surround everyone around us that we think is going to enhance that. That's what we do. And all we're doing is forming a little circle of interest and using even others to bless us instead of being a blessing in the place where God has called us, right where he is. We'll close with this this morning. And here it is. And I love it when God completely says, okay, that's it. Put, it, put it away. This is what we're talking about today. Okay, Lord, yep, I'm going to do it. Because I don't know, but guess who does? And guess who knows us in his love that never changes? Then there's no condemnation, is it? Hebrews 13, verse 5 says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Let your whole lifestyle be without you coveting something. In other words, you determining what's going to make you content of the physical things in life, or even people. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. Because if I'm not content with what I have, do you think he's going to give me something to still keep me not content? course not. No. Romans 8.28 says, I love them that love me. Now, he loves us positionally, but there's an experiential beauty when we, through obedience, and that's what our, that's what our love is. Our, our obedience is, is his love returned to him. All things work together for the good to them that love God. It's the only place that's ever written that way in the scriptures, by the way. That's experientially. All things work together for the good, to them that love God and are called according to what? His purpose. Can His purpose fail? Now, does God do things that fail? No. Do we apart from Him? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Be content with such things as you have, for He has said, I will never, no, never, no, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. No. So that we may boldly say, and when we say it boldly, what causes us to be bold in 1 John 4:18, 4, 4:17 4, 4, and 18 of 1 John, it's his love for us, His love, Christ in us. No fear and love. Did you know that? Fear causes us to look back, miss him presently, or fear causes us to look forward, <laughs> right? So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Who? Oh no, Jimmy John here or the folks back here or the folks maybe in the future. No, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man will do unto me. Do you fear where you are? Wherever God has you? Are you fearing man there? Then you're missing your contentment and he's working that in you with the very place that you're in that you deeply desire to escape from. (laughs) Oh yeah, oh yeah. And by the way, he's with you in the furnace even though you can't see him. But those that walk by sight look in and say, oh my God, this isn't, I've done this and that to this person and it doesn't even move them. They still have joy. Oh my, where does that come from? No, oh, I'm stop- Oh, I see the fourth man in them. Ah, there's hope for me. There's hope for me, there's hope for me. Christ in you in Colossians one, one twenty-seven. the hope of glory and that hope that's being revealed, that reality it's not hope like the English word that word in Colossians one twenty-seven, hope is guarantee we have a guarantee of a glorious future through suffering righteously, yes okay, so here's the Lord's my helper, I will not fear what man will do unto me, remember them, that guide that are the guides over you hmm. well, I don't want to get into that one right now who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith, their dependence, follow. Considering the end of their whole lifestyle, conversations, lifestyle. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the same what? Yesterday. Folks moved here. Yesterday. They left houses, jobs, security. They came here. Is anyone living on the street? Be patient. Endure. Macrothumia. Bear with the evil, nasty, wrong people. Christ in you, in that place, may be their only hope. And your circumstances, hoopamoni, and situations. They're not your guide, but He is. Jesus Christ the same yesterday. Did He take care of you yesterday? Is He taking care of you right now, today? Mm-hmm. Huh? And what? forever. Now I want you to think as we call did he take care of our eternal forever? He won't take care of today now in time like he did yesterday? Right? So Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, your love and your faithfulness, Father. And I thank you for each and every person here this morning. Just thank you and praise you, Father. And Father, no matter what, And some of us are experiencing uh, trials. And they could be a circumstance, a situation. It could be negative people. It could be health. It could be all these things. But you're the same, Lord. Jesus in us, we're never alone. Jesus in us is the same. He took care of our yesterday. He's taken care of our today. And he will take care. And he is our future eternal glory.